It is indeed good to be here this morning. Thankful to the men who have led our worship up to this point. It is indeed a, an honor and a blessing to be able to, to come together as God's people and to worship Him on this first day of the week. To do those things that we see laid down as a pattern in the New Testament, that we might follow after that, so that we can be pleasing to God, to our Creator, the great and awesome I Am. We are in the middle of, well, really, we're just starting. It's only February. We have a series of lessons and a theme this year based on this idea of highest and best. And the idea is that God expects um, just that. He expects the best from us. He expects the highest from us. And I have that there from Proverbs 3 and verse 9. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. See, that's what God expects from us. He expects our best, not what's left over at the, at the end of the day, not what's left over after everyone has their hand in the till, shall we say. But he expects our best. He expects those first fruits, the best that we can offer to God. And so this year, that's what we're focused on is, is how what might we best serve God. And so this morning, what I'd like to do is begin a series within the series on what we have deemed the acts of worship. And we're going to start off this morning talking about our singing. And we're going to be looking at how it is that we can give God our best singing. And as I mentioned, this will be a series of, of five lessons where we talk about the, the various things that we do in worship to God, singing and praying, taking of the Lord's Supper, giving of our means, which we have done all those things so far this morning. And now, indeed, we are listening to God's Word, and that's what constitutes our worship as we come together on the first day of the week. So it serves us to make sure that we not only understand those things, but to understand that we need to be engaged in those the best way that we can. We need to be giving God those first fruits, the first of our produce, the best that we might offer to Him. And as we'll, we'll see as we go along, this is indeed our worship to God. This is indeed our sacrifice to God. That is what we are engaged in now, our worship to Him. So we need to make sure that we are giving Him our best, because that's what He's always expected of His children, is their best. So this morning, as I mentioned, we're going to be looking at how we might offer our best singing to God. So let's start off by thinking about this. Why is it that we do sing? You ever stop just to think about that? We engage in these things and we um, know that the song leader is going to get up and he's going to have the songs, he's going to lead the songs that he's posted over there. But why is it that we're engaged in that? Well, let's, let's think about that and let's, let's look at a few things and and help our, ourselves to understand why is it that we sing. And first, let's understand that we sing to praise our God. Look with me in Psalm 18. Go to Psalm 18 with me. As we know, the Psalms are, are filled with songs. And filled with the idea that we can look to God and praise Him for what it is that... Um, that he has done for us. And 
Jack read part of this a minute ago, but let's back up to verse 46 and begin there. It says, The Lord lives, and blessed be my rock, and exalted be the God of my salvation, the God who executes vengeance for me and subdues people under me. He delivers me from my enemies. Surely thou dost leave me or lift me above those who rise up against me. Thou dost rescue me from the violent man. Therefore, I will give thanks to thee among the nations, O Lord, and I will sing praises to thy name. He gives great deliverance to his king and shows loving kindness to his anointed, to David and his descendants forever. And the, if you know this, and if you look back maybe at the beginning of this psalm, this is a psalm of David at the deliverance out of the hands of the Philistines. So this is David giving thanks for deliverance against his foes. And in his giving thanks, he says there in verse 49, I will sing praises to thy name. So when we think about why, it is, it, why is it that we sing when we come together, we're singing praises to our God. Let's bring that into the New Testament. Go to Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15. We're going to begin in verse 5. And again, remember, it in, and Paul is going to quote here from that very psalm here. And think about what that psalm was. That psalm was, was uh, David giving thanks for deliverance from his enemies. Keep that in mind as we go through and read this, what Paul is saying here to the Romans. Beginning in verse 5 of Romans 15. Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be one of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus, that with one accord you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus. What, uh, wherever, accept, accept one another, just as Christ also accepted us in the glory of God. For I say to you, Christ has become a servant to the circumcision on behalf of the truth of God to confirm the promises given to the fathers. And for the Gentiles to glorify God for his mercy, as it is written, therefore I will give praise to thee among the Gentiles, and I will sing to thy name. And again he says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with this people. And again, praise the Lord, all of you Gentiles, and let all the people praise him. And Isaiah says also, there also shall come from the root of Jesse, and he who arises to rule over the Gentiles, in whom the Gentiles hope. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of his spirit. Don't you see some deliverance in this as well? Paul is making the case that salvation is for the Gentiles too. Salvation is for all mankind. Deliverance from the enemies. And what is the result of that? We should sing praises to him. We should be willing to sing, to give of ourselves, of our voices, to, to lift them up together and to praise God for what he has done for us. Look also over in Hebrews chapter 2. Similar thought here. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 11. It says, For both he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are all one from the Father, or all from the one Father, excuse me, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren, and saying, I will, proclaim thy Lord, I will proclaim thy name to my brethren. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing thy praise. See, here again is the singing of praise. It's the expression that we are sanctified, that we are one in the Father. 
And it says, I am not ashamed to call them brethren. Think of the, the praise that we ought to be giving, that we can be called brethren, that we can be brothers with Jesus Christ and the children of God. That ought to prompt us to sing praises. So we sing to praise our God, and we also sing to be filled with his spirit. Look back in Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5.19 and Colossians 3.16 are kind of the go-to verses when we talk about singing, and, and within them, and we're going to look at both of them and talk about them, within them we get so much about why it is that we sing. In Ephesians 5, let's begin in verse 18. It says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. Be filled with the Spirit. Paul is making several points as he goes throughout here. One of them there in verse 18 says, Don't get drunk with wine. But what? Rather, be filled with the Spirit. Don't put into your body the thing that is destructive, that is wine, that thing that keeps you from being sober, that thing that draws you away from God and dulls your mind. But rather what? Rather be filled with the Spirit. And how might you go about doing that? Speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You see, when we sing, we speak to one another. That's one thing we, we need to understand and some error that's out there in the religious world when they might have a choir up here that sings to you, but you don't sing to them. Well, how can you be fulfilling scripture if you're not singing one to another? You see, when we come together, we are to do that indeed, sing one to another. And why? Because we speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. In our next point, we're going to look at something that's accomplished in that. But we can't do that if we're not speaking one to another through our voices in song. So this helps us to be filled with his spirit. It also speaks to the how and the why and the, and am I giving this my best? Am I filled with the spirit when I'm singing one to another? last point we'll make on why do we sing, that is to, to teach and correct each other. Have you ever thought about that? We're singing one to another to teach and to correct one another. If look over there in Colossians 3 and verse 16. As I mentioned, these are the two um, go-to verses when we, when we think about singing in the New Testament. There's other places, of course. But these two offer so much to us and to the Christian as to the reasons by which or by why we sing. Colossians 3 and verse 16, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. That sounds like having the spirit dwell in you, doesn't it? That means it's the same sentiment that Paul makes over there in Ephesians about being filled with the spirit. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom. Now listen to this, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your heart to God. You see, there again, singing one to another. And what's the reason? In this passage, Paul says that we're teaching and admonishing one another. That gives us pause, shouldn't it? To think about the words that we're singing. 
We need to make sure, song leaders, men, as we lead in songs, that we are leading songs that are appropriate to be sung. Songs that are teaching and preaching the truth. And we need to make, make sure that as we sing those songs and those words that we believe what we're singing and know that they can teach one another and we can admonish one another through the songs that we sing. So the, so the singing serves a very important purpose. I know sometimes we just turn to, this, to, the, to the song and we kind of look at the words and kind of sing them. And, and I'll, I'll let you in on a little secret. As a song leader standing up here, we see what you're doing. I don't mean that. I'm not trying to call anybody out. Please don't understand. And I'm, I would never do that. But we see what's going on. We see when you're not engaged in what you're doing. We see when your head is down and just kind of going along in the process. What does scripture say? Be filled with the Spirit. Praising God, singing one to another, teaching and admonishing one to another. Brethren, we ought to be engaged in that. We ought to make sure that we are indeed filled with His Spirit. And that we are indeed engaged in this in the manner that's appropriate. Not just looking at the number and turning to the page and, okay, how many verses are we going to sing of this song? Brethren, we need to be engaged. We need to be singing praises to our God. That's a wonderful and precious thing that we can sing praises to our God. Let's not take it for granted. I want to spend just a moment or two to talk about why it is that the New Testament church is not to use instruments as they sing praises to God. You see, in the New Testament, we, we have several verses that tell us to sing, but we don't have any verses that tell us to use any other mechanical instruments by which that we might make music to God. Why is that? Well, right out of the gate, a lot of the times the argument is used, well, they used instruments under the old law, right? Indeed they did. Indeed they did. Let's go to Psalm 81 for just a moment. And we can look at a different or several different passages. I just picked this one out. Psalm 81. <clears throat> it says there, Sing for the joy to God our strength. Shout joyfully to the God of Jacob. Raise a song. Strike the timbrel. The sweet-sounding lyre with the harp, blow the trumpet at the new moon, at the full moon, and the feast day. And there's lots of other places we can go, especially in Psalm, to talk about singing, but also in conjunction with that, the playing of mechanical instruments. We see it quite clearly in Scripture. That, that is indeed what they did under the old law. But there's something to understand about why it is that we don't do it now. And there's something very fundamental that we need to understand. And that is that we're no longer under the old law. The old law has been fulfilled. Christ came to fulfill the old law. And so now what we have is something better under the new law. In Hebrews 8 and verse 6 it says, But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry by as much as he is also the mediator of a better covenant which has been enacted on better promises. 
Paul makes mention in Galatians 3, verses 24 and 25, that the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ so that we may be justified by faith. But he says there in verse 25 that, but now that faith has come, we are no longer under the tutor. You see, the, the Old Testament is invaluable for us to see how God dealt with his people, how he instituted laws and expected them to keep those laws. And when they fell short of those laws, they were punished. That's important for us to to know and to understand. But Christ came and fulfilled that law. And when he was put to death on the cross, that law was taken out of effect. And what was put into effect was the law of Christ. And so now that's what we live under is the law of Christ. So when we look to how it is that we might worship God, we look to the New Testament. Yes, we have the things in the Old Testament as an example of of how God interacted with his people. But if we want to know how we worship God, we look to the New Testament. And the New Testament tells us about singing. Colossians 3.16, Ephesians 5.19. Other places where the, his, Jesus' disciples, they sang a song or sang a hymn and then went out there. We, we remember that verse. That's what the New Testament teaches is singing. But there's something very important to understand in all this is that we even have a better instrument. You see, what we just read there from Hebrews 8 and verse 6, a better covenant built on better promises. You see, even in the New Testament, there's a better instrument by which we get to sing. Let me explain. In Ephesians 5, 19, it says there, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. It's an interesting phrase that Paul puts there. That making melody comes from a derivative of the Greek word solo. And I'm no Greek scholar, but I can, I can get through and I can understand. And this is a very important thing to understand about this Greek word. The Greek word here that's being translated as making melody solo what it means is it means to cause to vibrate by touching or to twang especially like that if you like bluegrass music right to twang we know what that means pluck the string it also means to play on a stringed instrument so the word there it says singing and playing on a stringed instrument with your heart to the lord we might read it like well, that's pretty clumsy but what does that mean it means that we're using our heart as the instrument. Now, clearly, playing the heart strings, we might say, is not literal. If we were to twang the strings of our heart, we might have some health issues. So what must it mean? It must mean that it's spiritual. It must mean that when we sing and we cause our heart to make that sound, that we're talking about something that's spiritual. So a lot of times we say, well, we don't use instruments to sing under the New Testament. Well, think about this. We do use. We use our heart. And that is where we can express the praise to God, where we can encourage and admonish one another. That's where that resides. It's not literal, not physical, but spiritual. So see the better instrument, see the better promises built on, or the better covenant built on better promises? We have that under the law of Christ. We have that in the New Testament.
So, how can we sing our best? So we talked about why it is that we sing. We sing praises to God. We encourage one another, filled with the Spirit. We talked about how we are to sing properly. We're going to talk about that a little bit more here in a second. So how is it that we can best sing to our God? Let's talk about a few things. First, let's realize who it is that's hearing our song. In Ephesians 5, 19, again, it says, Singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. You see, we encourage one another and we admonish one another and we sing to one another and that's proper and right. But the songs of praises go up to our God. Now that very fact ought to make us realize that we ought to be doing it the best way we can. We ought to be offering those first fruits, those lambs without blemish, the best that we can offer. Now, I'm not going to pick on anybody, I promise. Not all of us are good singers, right? I'm mediocre at best. But we can still sing to God, can't we? We still carry around the instrument with us that we can sing to God. We can still focus our minds and, 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 and think about the words that we're singing and do our best to understand this thing called singing. We can still do that whether or not we can carry a tune in a bucket. We can still do that. And we carry around the instrument with us. So when fulfilling... Um, this act of worship to singing to God, think about what trouble it might be if we have a band and instruments and pianos and organs and all of a sudden those people aren't there to, to, to play those things. What are we going to do then? See, we're always carrying around our voice. We're always carrying around our heart. Helps us to fulfill that. But we need to realize that it is God, our creator, the great I am, who is listening to the songs that we're singing. So let's make sure we're giving him our best. And let's realize the point that goes hand in hand with this is that this is our worship to God. It's not just that we're here and open the songbook and sing and close it and go home. We're worshiping our God. And these songs that we sing are important. The way that which we sing them is important. In Hebrews 3 and verse uh, 13 and verse 15, excuse me, through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice to God that is the fruit of lips that gives thanks to his name. You see, when we sing praises and we pray and we speak about God and to God, we are praising him. And that, for us, for the Christian, is a sacrifice. We don't have the blood of bulls and goats any longer. We don't have all those feasts and the harvests and or uh, the marking of the harvest and all those things that the, the children of Israel were engaged in as their worship to God. What we have is the fruit of our lips. That's our sacrifice. So it ought to be one without blemish. It ought to be one that we can say that we are giving our best to God the Father. We also need to make sure that we are worshiping properly. In John 4, verses 23 and 24, as our Lord there is speaking with the, the woman at the well and that wonderful conversation that, that shows us the ushering in of the kingdom. 
He says there in verses 23 and 24, An hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. How many times is worship mentioned there in those two verses? The point is that if we're going to worship God, we need to make sure that we're doing it properly. Spirit and in truth. So as we're singing, we need to make sure that we're doing both those things. Spiritually and truthfully. To make sure that we are pleasing our God. Because that's what he wants. He will worship the Father in truth, uh, Spirit and truth for such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. It's not just all emotion. And it's not just all by the letter of the law. It's all of both. Paul reflects this in his writing in 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 15. He says, what is the outcome then? I will pray with the spirit and I will pray with the mind also. I will sing with the spirit and I will sing with the mind also. See how that reflects what Jesus said about those who worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. Paul says it this way, I will sing with the spirit and I will sing with the mind. So we need to be engaged in both of those things. We need to be engaged in the fact that we're doing it out of truth, which means we're doing it properly, as prescribed in the New Testament. And we need to be doing it spiritually, plucking those heartstrings, being filled with the Spirit, singing praises to God. That's the spiritual side of it. Our highest and best. This is what God wants of us. He wants the best from us. He wants his worshipers to worship him in spirit and in truth. So it's our duty as his children to make sure that we are continually growing, continually seeking how we might best serve him, how we might best be uh, the, the citizens he wants us to be of his kingdom. Always growing, always strengthening our faith. This morning we looked at our singing. We're going to look further down the road at the other things that we do when we come together on the first day of the week, praying and giving and taking the Lord's Supper. How might we best do all those things? But take this lesson to heart. Improve your singing based on what we talked about because we're singing praises to our God and we're encouraging one another in so doing. I hope this lesson has been beneficial to you. I hope that you will understand how important it is to be a child of God, to be in the kingdom. Because there is no salvation outside of it. And you can be a child of God by surrendering in the waters of baptism, putting on Christ, being clothed with Christ. You know, we go down into those waters, sinner. Those waters wash away our sins. And we come up out of those waters to walk in newness of life. And it is our duty and our job, our spiritual service to continue to walk in the light and to be pleasing to God. If you're not a child of God, I would encourage you to become one. If as a child of God you have stumbled along the way, you need to make things right of a personal nature if, 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 if that's appropriate. But if there's something of a, of a 
public nature in which you need to confess, I would encourage you to do that as well. Let the members of this congregation help you and strengthen you and whatever your needs might be. Whatever they might be, you can let them be known by coming forward as we stand and sing to encourage you.